0: a lens around what is the right founder for this industry, you know, that goes above and beyond their resume and more to the intangibles of their relationships, their integrity, their management style, and ultimately, you know, their passion for the market, which I would say the folks who demonstrate and live, sleep and eat the industries that they work in, you know, those are the folks that we want to back.
1: You are listening to The Sure Shot Entrepreneur, a podcast for founders with ambitious ideas. Venture capital investors and other early believers tell you relatable, insightful, and authentic stories to help you realize your vision. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Gopi Rangan. My guest today is Rick Zullo. Rick and I will discuss his investment philosophies and how it's different from other venture capital investors. You will learn about underpenetrated industry opportunities in various sub-segments that Rick focuses on. You will also learn about how he invests in seed-stage startups, what kind of characteristics, what kind of strengths he looks for in entrepreneurs. Before we go into more detail, Let me first introduce Rick to you. Rick Zullo is the co-founder and general partner at uh, Equal Ventures. Equal Ventures was founded by Rick and his co-founder, Richard Kirby, and the firm is based in New York, and typically the firm invests in seed stage startups. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me, Gaby. Tell us about yourself. Let's start with the different things that you did before you came into the venture capital industry and how... You decided to start Equal Ventures.
0: Yeah. So um, you know, I'm one of the two managing partners of a firm called Equal Ventures. We're a $56 million seed stage fund focused on bridging the digital divide uh, based in New York City. You know, for us, that really means how do we transform legacy sectors of the economy, insurance, supply chain. Retail infrastructure care economy, you know, a couple of the things that are nearest and dearest to the way that we work and live. But, you know, my career really spans, you know, going through a couple of different phases. I had worked primarily in energy and sustainability for, you know, a couple of years, both in college and and shortly after college, and ended up uh, doing a lot of work uh, with the Department of Energy and and government agencies and utility clients. And likewise, I was working at uh, Deloitte Consulting for, for, you know, about five years uh, in the Strategy and operations consulting team. There, Uh, got the chance to see my first bubble really blow up there shortly after the credit crisis. Which you know, seeing those two things happening, you know, kind of on the onset of my career, uh, you know, a large credit financial crisis as well as you know, clean tech bubble really pop. You know, has certainly informed a lot of the way that that we invest today. But ended up being one of the things that really forced me into technology and you know, understanding other high growth sectors of the economy outside of clean tech, And, uh, you know, was fortunate to get the opportunity to join a firm called Light Bank, run by two of the best entrepreneurs, you know, arguably on the planet and, and Brad Keywell and Eric Levkosky, you know, founders of Groupon, InterWorkings, EcoGlobal, MediaOcean. So a couple of IPOs and a close to billion dollar exit to Vista, you know, got the chance to join them just as they, uh, you know, were starting a, a company in the industrial IoT space. Uh, Area that I've been super passionate about. Um, and then ultimately, you know, through the course of the four years that I worked there, got the chance to work with a handful of great companies, either as a you know, board member, companies like Snapsheet and Bench Prep, or as an investor, companies like Expel, Battery, Catalytic, you know, Risk Match, or as an angel investor in companies like Rig to really hone, improve that thesis and ultimately bring that to New York where I got the chance to be an investor for Light Bank and, and starting in New York office there. Before starting what is now Equal Ventures, which has just been you know a phenomenal experience to really take that next step as an investor and be a founder myself uh, in building a organization that you know, I think is the truest form of investing for for me as a person.
1: This is very interesting. Uh, you've given a very colorful description of your career, and I see that with your experience at uh, consulting and working at other firms and making very sound investments, you've built a. A broad array of experiences. I'm I'm really curious at Equal Ventures. What's your investment philosophy, and how is that different from other firms?
0: You know, I think uh, our firm. One of the things that that I really like to think uh, that that we pride ourselves on is is being a student of. Uh, not just, you know, the broader economy, but of other investment perspectives. So, you know, we look at a lot of those firms that are investing in in mobile apps or, or, or our product experts or, you know, technology experts. And we think that there's been a robust ecosystem of investors, founders, and kind of service providers built for that. As we look at what we think is a new innovation thing, really focused on not technology development, uh, but technology deployment. You know, we think it's actually a really fundamentally different exercise. You know, if you're going to try to figure out how you modernize and transform the oil and gas value chain, or if you're looking at insurance, you know, what are the solutions that, that really are needed to modernize a lot of that infrastructure and elevate that industry? Or if we're looking at something like, you know, senior care and child care and some of those care dynamics that we discussed. You know, earlier, you know, what are the solutions that that market needs? And we think that really requires more nuanced knowledge of those industries because it's so incredibly complex. Um, so as we look at those industries, we feel like we need to not just be technologists and not just, uh, kind of have, uh, the, the best practices of sil- Silicon Valley, but we need to borrow from other investment philosophies. Because uh, we're not just focused on creating kind of, you know, technology, you know, value and de- defensibility, but it's really thinking about production. How can we leverage technology to make these industries more efficient or to improve the quality of life for individuals? And, and that requires a lot of the same disciplines that, you know, I've seen from The private equity school of thought when I, when I worked at Lifeview, you know, as well as from the value investing principles that I saw at Columbia Business School. And we've tried to meld that together with both the venture experiences that I've had working at a couple of different firms at various different stages, as well as my partner's, uh, you know, venture experience that he's had working at growth stage with IVP and, you know, then a kind of more traditional early stage venture in in Venron, two of the most stalwart firms in, in venture capital.
1: How do you do that? What kind of technologies do you prefer? Or are there certain types of industries? You touched on care and a few other things. What's your preference?
0: Yeah. So there's probably three segments to that. When we're looking at industries, there's four C's for us. We want catalysts. You know, we think about competition. uh, We think around connectivity uh, and we want complexity. So, you know, we're looking at the industries that we think have the most cataclysmic change you know, that are going to create basically tailwinds for the next couple of decades that if we're on the forefront of that, you know, we're going to be part of a really successful transition into that. And, you know, uh, there's a couple of industries that we've already highlighted and, and we'll certainly talk more broadly about that as a firm, you know, but these are big, huge portions of GDP um, that touch, you know, every aspect of our lives, you know, that we think are just going through really cataclysmic change. right now. We want to make sure that we're identifying industries, that are significantly complex so that we uh, are compensated for the time that we spend researching and understanding the nuance of those. You know, so you wouldn't see us in kind of things that have surface level complexity. You know, we want the things that are hard. We want the things that are complicated. We want the things that the standard one size fits all approach doesn't work for. Um, And I think that's where we shine. We also want to avoid competition. We want to go, you know, to places that we think are under penetrated from a venture perspective because that's where founders need us the most. And, you know, being in those sectors early enables us to develop a pool position to be a leader. And we think that's extremely important from, you know, a differentiation perspective. And you know, lastly, they need to be places that we already have organic connectivity to. You know, if I told you that I'm a healthcare expert or a real estate expert, you know that's just not true. But you know, can I pull up a bunch of Fortune 500 executives in you know, the trucking and logistics landscape or you know in the insurance landscape? You know you better believe it. And we think that that level of connectivity really enables us to you know provide a lot of value to the entrepreneurs, which the entrepreneur class here is also what we would believe represents a little bit of a different point of view. Than the myopic perspective of what the stereotypical entrepreneur is in the traditional Silicon Valley sense. So uh, we've backed founders from geographies that most investors have never invested. My first six investments at, at Lightbank, you know, were in six different states. You know, our first you know five six investments at Equal are in three different geographies. You know, we we think that's the future. We think the future of entrepreneurship is going to be more dispersed, uh, but we also think it's going to be more democratized. So. The reality is, you know, we think that this is also a very different type of founder than an existing in the past. This isn't someone who is born, you know, with a, uh, you know, computer in their hand when they were, you know, six years old hacking away, you know, that can be the case for folks who are going to redefine these industries. But technology has just become so much addressable to the mainstream. And a lot of these industries require such nuanced knowledge, deep relationships with folks in those industries that, you know, uh, we think that it kind of bucks the trend of the prototypical entrepreneurs that the the pattern recognition of Silicon Valley firms is really reinforced. So, you know, for us, we, you know, my first six investments at at LightBank were in six different states, you know, our first, you know, six investments at Equal Ventures, they come from three different geographies um, soon or likely next investment. And it will be in a fourth, you know, we think the future of entrepreneurship is going to be more dispersed in that. And part of that is the industry nature of what we invest in, you know, enables us to be uh, enables those founders and those companies to be closer to their customers, and and that's extremely important. But you know, we also think it's going to be much more democratized. So it's not the typical you know founder that went to a certain set of schools and certain set of uh, you know background experiences. A lot of the founders that we've backed and had success with. Have never worked at startups before. They come from ministry, or uh, you know, someone like Kabir Sayed from RiskMatch. You know, his company was based in Greenwich, Connecticut. He was in his late forties. He wore suits. You know, there there were a lot of venture investors who said this guy is not going to be a great founder. And sure enough, we had a phenomenal exit with Kabir in a very very short run. And I think that demonstrates you know the diversity that we can add to the landscape of having a broader point of view on what is a great founder, because for each one of these industries, you're going to have founders of different profiles, you know, that really fit that market. Uh, The founder of a childcare company is going to look unequivocally probably different in terms of experiences, core competencies, background that they have, than someone who's going to transform the trucking industry or the insurance industry. So, you know, we really want to take that nuanced viewpoint to make sure that we can have an understanding of What's the right founder for the industries based on the knowledge that we have for those industries? And certainly there are types of business models that we prefer over uh, others, which you know we're happy to talk about as well.
1: Yeah, I can see we are cut from the same cloth. Uh, I've had this philosophy that investors need to meet entrepreneurs where they are versus the old school venture capital style where entrepreneurs need to come to investors. I respect many of those firms that still have that philosophy and they only invest in areas they're comfortable and typically in their own local regions. But I have invested in many different cities, New York, Boston, Cincinnati, Minnesota, Atlanta, Seattle, and other places. And that's where new ideas and new entrepreneurs are coming from. And I see that you have a very similar approach. What do you look for in an entrepreneur when you first meet them? Maybe you could pick an example of one or two companies and show how that conversation evolved. You know, as I look
0: at some of the entrepreneurs in our portfolio right now, as well as some of the entrepreneurs that we've worked in the past, the contrarian bets that we've taken, i.e. the non-obvious ones, you know, you back someone like Sean Chow, who was the co-founder of Fieldbus, a company that sold for a billion dollars, that was a seed invest- investor in his next company, Catalytic. You know, Sean could have raised from anybody. I'm frankly lucky and fortunate to, that he let me go on that journey with him and the companies, you know, performed, you know, incredibly well since, you know, but it's not exactly a contrarian bet to back someone who's been part of building a billion dollar company before. The more difficult bets to take are you know, the folks who have never worked at startups before and, but have amazing industry expertise you know, have, uh, you know, in some cases, a chip on their shoulder, so to speak, that they're out there to prove something, you know, but I just have a tremendous amount of passion. And then, you know, as you look at them as individuals, uh, just really understand, uh, the degree of integrity, uh, and in leadership that they have. And, you know, I've been fortunate to work with you know, a handful of entrepreneurs that I just think are really, really great demonstrations of that. If you look at the teams from Vettery and Brendan out of there or the team at Rig Up or the team at Risk Match, you know, uh, across all three of those companies, which you know, um, two of those had very successful exits, and, and, and up is currently valued at two billion dollars. None of those companies, the founders had ever worked at startups before.
1: So, what strikes you in those conversations when you first meet them? So, you know, in all cases,
0: they're they're kind of longstanding relationships that you get to know and see someone evolve over time. Um, you know, for for. You know, ring up, I was fortunate to go to business school with Mike and, you know, he he was just one of these guys who was absolutely incredibly intelligent, you know, had the opportunity to go to Ivy League schools, but decided that he was going to go walk on to the Texas a and football team. You know, he was the type of person who... You know, could, uh, argue in, in class with other folks and go toe to toe with anybody who was, you know, in the value investing program and going to go work at a hedge fund like Jana Capital Partners or Appalooza, you know, and do so with a tin of Copenhagen, you know, <laughs> on, you know, on his desk right in front of me. He, he just, you know, perfectly fit and, and had come from you know, the bones of the oil and gas industry, you know, really knew that, you know, he was going to persevere based on his intellect and passion and, and, and you know, experience and relationships that he had, you know, if they had the proper funding and cultivation. There. And, you know, I think as I look at Brett and Adam, you know, very, very similar yet, yeah, you know, folks who were incredibly passionate, incredibly hardworking, had incredible insight, knew the industry cold, you know, but really struggled to raise capital you know got the chance to get to know those guys work with them and eventually you know be one of the first investors in that company you know you look at Kabir all very similar story these companies struggle to raise money because you know it's harder to understand you know the nuances of you know the staffing industry and, and oil and gas industry or the the insurance industry but you know taking the time to really understand those you know, I really think enables you to have a lens around what is the right founder for this industry. You know, that goes above and beyond their resume and more to the intangibles of their relationships, their integrity, their management style, and ultimately, um, you know, their passion for for the market. Which I would say, the folks who demonstrate and, and live, sleep, and eat the industries that they that they work in, you know, those are the folks that we want to back.
1: So with people who you have a past relationship, you have an existing relationship, uh, there's time for you to pick up on things, form an opinion. Is that typical uh, among the investments that you've made? Like how many investments have you made with Equal Ventures so far? And uh, how many of them are on founders who you have known, you or your partner have known for a while?
0: Yeah, I would say the average length of relationship you know with us and the founders that we worked with is honestly, years. And, you know, this is one of the beauties uh, of being able to start a firm, you know, having been investing, you know, my my partner's been an investor for eight years. You know, I'm coming up on eight years now as well. Um, You know, we've had the chance to know strong operators in the ecosystem for a long time, you know, and being embedded in these industries, you know, we get the chance to know and come across, you know, folks that we want to work with, you know, down the road. And I think, you know, that's made some of those investment decisions easier Uh, and able to go faster, but make no mistake. When we're meeting a new entrepreneur for for the first time, you know, we're not the type of firm that's putting down a term sheet by the end of the, by the end of the week. Um, you know, I think one of the investments that, that is demonstrating a lot of promise for us is a company called Watchtower Benefits. Um, you know, here's a case where you had two founders who worked together for eight years at an insurance company called Sun Life. They were extremely high performers in that industry. They left their jobs that were high-paying jobs to go start a company that provided software to employee benefits brokers, really seeking to transform a lot of the efficiencies in, in that value chain and, and frankly really struggled for several years. But was fortunate that we got connected to them through some industry insiders that we knew who believed in the product and believed in the team. You know, we probably spent about 10 months getting to know that team. We, you know, spent a lot of that time helping them think through pivoting the company. Uh, which you know, as we look at where they are today versus where they were uh, when we initially met them, they were a SaaS company selling software to employee benefits workers. Today, their service is completely free to employee benefits brokers and they're monetize as a marketplace, and they are just having tremendous success. So you know we love the opportunity where you know we get the chance to know a team, kind of play a part in helping inform uh, you know a very early vision. You know, tweak it and refine it and really play a role of rolling up our sleeves to help that those founders take the next big step as a business. So we're confident that that company is going to have a lot of success moving forward. You know, but it was really one that, you know, the entire venture industry ignored them until what is now seeming like a much more obvious investment opportunity.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, in our past conversations, too, you mentioned that you almost like to incubate the business and you want to form that investment thesis, drill down on the opportunity to uncover nuances and, and build a business around it and along with it you know, find the right kind of CEO and management team to come together. Uh, I think that's sort of what you did with Jerry. Am I right? And we are both investors. In Jerry. We, we,
0: we have indeed incubated companies and Jerry is one of them that, that we're very proud of. Farron's a founder that I've known for you know, many years. And, you know, as we were going through the process of researching the space felt really compelled around an opportunity in that space. And, and fortunately you know, Farron, who is one of the experts. There's few people who understand the elder tech, uh, long-term care industry better than Farron Blanc. You know, as we kind of tried to validate that hypothesis with him, he got so excited that he wanted to be a part of building that company. That said, I, uh, you know, our, our general strategy is we are we are investors first and foremost, and you know, there will certainly be opportunities that we find so compelling and so timely that you know we'll incubate companies and. You know, both Venrock and Lightbank have had success with incubating companies in the past, and hopefully we will demonstrate success in doing so with, with equal ventures. You know, but, but for us, when we're investing, you know, we, we know that the founders are the stars of the show. And I think that's in, incredibly important. You know, what we like to do is really just be the service provider. So, you know, I think this is where, you know, spending five years uh, living on planes, you know, as a consultant, you know, really informed my point of view on how we want to work with entrepreneurs. And, you know, we understand they're the ones doing all the hard things. They're the ones, you know, making the tough decisions on hiring and they're the ones betting their careers on the line. And, you know, which is, you know, absolutely love working with founders because, you know, in many ways they're, they're heroes in their own right. Uh, but you know our role is to really help them kind of take things to the next level which if we can go and say, well maybe instead of a SaaS strategy you try a marketplace strategy here based on other things that we've seen work well in the market, that represents our ability to bring some of the best practices that we've seen work in other sectors that have similar conditions or bring concepts that we validated with our network experts and take you know two founders who are already great, and take them really to that next level, you know, by giving them, you know, a few pieces of targeted advice, you know, that, that we feel really confident. in, And, you know, when we find that our vision of, you know, what is a compelling you know, playbook for that industry maps well uh, with that the founder has, and the founder brings their own inspiration to, you know, that's when we have our greatest success.
1: So what can founders do, especially in the first few days, few weeks, and few months of building that relationship? How does that um, help you evaluate them?
0: Honesty and self awareness. So, you know, I look back at, you know, forming our relationship with, with Ryan, the CEO, of Watch Hour, you know, Kabir, the CEO, of Risk Match, or, you know, you know Brandon Adam from and You know, those were all kind of long processes that it took, you know, for us to get to know, to know each other. You know, in all those cases, you know, I'm not sure if we ever had investment deck. You know they were never pitching us, and you know that's what I love about those relationships. That it was you know, we got the chance to know each other. They were extremely upfront about the challenges and opportunities of their businesses. You know, and, and authentically looking for advice. You know, they they weren't looking for a check. They said, "Hey Rick, what would you do in this? You know, circumstance? You know, here's what we're thinking." And sometimes they'd say, "Rick, I think you're wrong," but sometimes they'd say, "Rick, I think you're right." And you know, I think we weren't always right. Uh, you know we're wrong. Actually, in fact, a lot more than we're right. That is the job of being a venture capitalist.
1: But that is true. Yes,
0: being able to have really good structured debates, you know, about you know strategy and making a two way conversation, I just think is so important. And you know, frankly, it's something that the venture ecosystem has lost a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you you said it really well. There's a lot of misunderstanding uh, because of TV shows and things like that, where non entrepreneurs go out and pitch, and investors sit back in a fancy chair and they give them scores and somehow sometimes even harsh comments. That's really not how it works in, in the real world in venture capital. There's a lot of collaboration building chemistry. And the reason why the chemistry happens is because of the honesty and self-awareness that you you mentioned. Some of the best entrepreneurs uh, I've worked with have that self-awareness. Uh, the honesty really helps bring out all the challenges and you put it out on the table and you discuss That makes it a lot easier. You said it a lot more articulately than I've heard before. We're going deeper and deeper on some of the interesting topics here. You covered a lot of territory. You started with your own background, starting with consulting, working at other firms, and investing in uh, geographies that other venture investors don't go. And you kind of kept that philosophy going forward with Equal Ventures. The way you focus on legacy industries to transform those industries with digital solutions uh, that's quite interesting, where you like to work with entrepreneurs who have a lot of nuances and understanding of a certain domain, and they've marinated in that space. Uh, and the way they think is very different from some two kids in a garage uh, trying to build a, a website platform by themselves without much experience in the industry. Uh, you talked about these complex industries, which have so many different uh, aspects to it. Being a student of that broader economy is how you look at it, and that I like that phrase. You've been quite humble. You don't. You say that you don't have a lot of pedigree, but I, I see you do, uh, including your business school. But I understand what you're saying, that there's a lot of bias towards pedigree and brands, and we don't need to do that. And there are very good investment opportunities, and the asset class actually favors people who come with hunger that matters more than pedigree. I think our strategy
0: works for us. And that's not to say that we're not going to back, you know, founders who who come from those schools or, you know, those type of pedigrees. You know, I think, you know, we just want to make sure that our viewpoint of what a founder can be and what a successful founder can be, you know, it, is a very broad definition and a very nuanced one.
1: I like the way you, yeah. you, you finished some of your comments that... Founders are the heroes and VCs are in a service provider business and you look for honesty and self-awareness. I want to transition to the next uh, part uh, and ask you about uh, community leadership activities that you're involved in. Which nonprofit organizations are you passionate about and why? Yeah,
0: so community and thinking about, you know, broader impact is something that's incredibly important to you know both my family as well as uh, you know our firm so you know I'm, my partner richard kirby has been you know just a tremendous leader for diversity in the venture and broader tech ecosystem you know he's been championing organizations like Stealthmo, which is a online offline organization for african-americans in tech you know that's probably about 1, 15 1600 you know people strong now he's been you know extremely involved in various mentorship organizations. And and we've made that a part of Equal Ventures. Now, um, you know, every summer we we bring on an individual from uh, HBCU, uh, Historical Black College and University. And we think that's, you know, a great way to increase top of the funnel for diversity in a broader venture tech ecosystem. And then as we look at the types of things that on the personal side, outside of the broader tech and venture ecosystem, that both my wife is a cancer survivor, her mother has been battling pancreatic cancer for the last uh, year or so, um, which you know, uh, pancreatic cancer is is you know certainly one of the most terrifying diseases that you will uh, you know find out there. And uh, organizations like Jimmy V and others are, are doing incredible work you know, to, for, for funding, uh, cancer research. And then lastly, you know, I think it's important to think locally, which, you know, one of my favorite organizations that I've been involved with over the last you know, couple of years is, you know, an organization called social venture partners, which, uh, social venture partners has various chapters, uh, you know, across the country. Um, they don't have a chapter in New York City for some reason, but while my wife and I were in Chicago, we were both partners uh, with them and their social venture philanthropy organization where, you know, we'll actually take board seats in organizations. Uh, the members actually put up their own capital to fund transformation of nonprofits to enable them to get to levels of sustainability uh, and having sustainable impact.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights. It's great to see that both at home with your wife and also at your firm with your partner, you're actively involved in many community activities. And your insights that you shared today will be very useful for entrepreneurs. I wish we could uh, talk more and keep, keep this going, but we're up at uh, time. Uh, well, I look forward to working with you and collaborating with you on more opportunities like Jerry.
0: Looking forward to that as well.